Hello, 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 and welcome to Reality Horror with Anne-Claire Oublier, your favorite horror for reality TV. So this is my first episode, and on this first episode, I decided to do a little Bravo recap of everything that happened this week on Bravo. I say everything, but that's not true. Today, we're only going to be talking about The Real Housewives, so what's on today's order is Potomac, then I'll do Miami, and I'll do Salt Lake City. So just let's just get into it. I'll start with Real Housewives of Potomac. This is season seven, episode seven. So it's been three days that the girls are in Mexico for Ashley's birthday trip. And the opening scene is Giselle and Mia at a drink stand asking for drinks. And Giselle tells us that she has bubble guts because the food in Mexico is not agreeing with her. And I'm just pointing that out because the editors did really something funny. They had it like a song of rumbling stomach over the whole scene. And I was just cracking up. I thought it was very, very clever um, editing. So I just wanted to point that out. But then we see Giselle and Mia sitting down and having a cocktail. And Giselle is mad that Karen apparently told lies about Sherry's because she believes that Karen is jealous of Sherry's. And then again, I would like to say, Yes, she's jealous. She's jealous of Cherise because you guys keep saying that Cherise is the granddam of Potomac when Karen gave herself that name. So there's no need, no need for you guys to actually talk about it like it's something that is true. Like, is there really a title of granddam of Potomac? No. Karen just decided to call herself like that. And now you want to still the fact that she's calling herself like that and give it away to Cherise. You guys can't do it. That's why she's mad. And yeah. But then Giselle tells Mia that she believes that Wendy is jealous of her. Why would Wendy be jealous of Mia? What is there to be jealous of? Mia, the CEO. Wendy is an accomplished woman. She has four degrees, like she keeps reminding us. She is a co-host. A co-host? No, an anchor on a news show. She has beautiful children, a handsome husband. So I'm not sure what Giselle is trying to do. She's just trying to steer the pot. But what she's saying makes no sense. There is no way Wendy is jealous of Mia because nothing in Mia's life needs to be envied. We don't need to envy Mia at all. They decide that they're going to play in a bachelorette for Robin and... uh, Giselle says that she wants strippers there. And Mia makes the funny comment that she's not for hire, but she will help her find strippers because it takes a good stripper to recognize a good stripper and that she knows the best strippers in town. I'm not sure that Robin would love strippers at her, at her bachelorette party because Robin is a boring person, but hey, we never know. Next scene is uh, Robin talking to her assistant slash friend about her wedding in Jamaica and asking her if she found something. And her friend tells her that she hired a wedding planner. I'm asking myself, girl, you said it's a four people wedding. You don't need a wedding planner. You need an officiant and a bitch. That's all you need. You don't need to do all that. But then she tells us that it's more special to do it privately and uh, this way she doesn't have to worry about how anyone else perceives it and she's not stressed because she already had the big wedding and she doesn't need to have a bigger wedding. And uh, 
I actually understand that, but I think she should have said that from the beginning of said, instead of being so secretive. There's no need to not want to talk about it. If you say for one time, just once, I actually just want a small private wedding because I already had a big wedding and I'm not interested in having spending a ton of money and making a big fuss about it. I think the girls would have been understanding and they would have stopped asking questions. We move on to Karen and Ashley on the beach and they're discussing Robin's personal attack on Karen. Um, Ashley tells Karen that she thinks that it's just that Robin is extremely close to Cherise because when Robin was divorcing Warren, Cherise was there for her and supported her. And Karen is like, I don't want to talk about Cherise, but what Ashley is trying to tell her is that she attacked you because you attacked her close friend and she just felt like kind of maybe a big sister, little sister relationship. And then Karen is like, no, she called me fake, but let me tell you what I think is fake. It's Robin's wedding. And she says to us that there's a lot of things that she knows about Robin Dixon, including Juan's other woman. And then my hair perks up. And she says she lives in Montgomery County. They date in Georgetown. And the girl looks like Karen. The girl that Juan is dating <laughs> looks like Karen. And why does she look like Karen? Because she's blonde. Karen is so conceited. Her ego is out through the roof. Karen is feeling herself a lot. And Karen continues to tell us that Robin knows about the other woman and they have an arrangement. Ashley does not believe that it's true. She knows how Robin feels when other women are brought up in relation to Ryan. And then they show us a clip of Robin putting her finger in Ashley's face very, very aggressively in Ashley's old restaurant when Ashley told Robin that she believed that there were another woman in their relationship, well, in her relationship with Ryan. So yeah, that's why she does not believe that Robin would be aware of the arrangement and that she would be for it. There's something I would like to say about the clip. Robin keeps telling us that she's not an aggressive person, that she's very calm and composed. But if that proves something, this proves that Robin is an aggressive person. She attacked Ashley in a restaurant. She attacked Monique on the street with an umbrella. She attacked Wendy and tried to walk on her. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm going away from the show, the, the episode. But Robin, you are an aggressive person. And we have proof on video that proves that you're aggressive. So you need to stop saying that. But anyway, they table the discussion and Karen tells Ashley not to say anything to the other woman because she's the one, she's, she wants to be the one to brought, up, brought it up to Robin. But Karen knows exactly what she's doing. She's telling one of Robin's, Robin's good friend that she believes that Ryan has another woman and she accepts her not to say anything. Well, no, she knew what she was doing. She wanted Ashley to go and talk. And obviously that's what Ashley does. She directly goes and tattletales a little bit. She doesn't tell the whole rumor, but she does tell Wendy and Candice that her and um, Karen just had a very hot conversation about Robin. And, but that she can't say anything because she's supposed to keep a secret. And Candice tells us that Ashley can hold a secret as long as she can hold pee in her bladder, which is 
not that long. And I thought that was extremely funny and also very, very true. So then they go shopping and Ashley and Robin go away from the group. And obviously, Ashley tells Robin what Karen told her. And uh, Robin starts laughing this big laugh. Ha 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 ha. She, I don't know. It looks like she's kind of fake laughing, you know, like someone that doesn't want to shed light to the situation. So they fake laugh. And she immediately called Juan to tell him about the story. First of all, why would you call him if you believe him? It's very suspicious. And uh, when she tells him the rumor, Ran like just flew off the handle. He gets super mad and he yells and he yells that he was really cuss out every single ass of the woman. He's not playing. He will cuss out Karen. Blah, 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 blah. He says to Robin, I love you. I appreciate you. Don't let any of those women play in your head. And he just hangs up like that. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to know. So um, I felt like the phone call, the reaction that Juan has is very suspicious. You know, why would you get so mad? I kind of understand because he's been, he's been getting attacked for years. And it's maybe why he doesn't even want to film anymore because we barely see him on the show. But on the other hand, like I said, why did Robin feel the need to call him and confront him about him if, he, if she felt the rumor was not true? Like, I would not call my boyfriend to ask him, you know what they are saying? So is it true? I would be like, no, that's a fucking lie. If I thought that it was a fucking lie. So I don't know. Plus, during multiple episodes this season, this season, she kept saying that she wants a prenup and she wants a cheating clothes in the prenup before getting married to Ran. So which is it? Do you believe that Juan is capable of cheating on you again? Do you think he's cheating? We also the rumor in the blogs that said that... Um, Juan and Robin were not really together. They were just doing that for the show and for the kids. And that his real girlfriend that he lived with for real was that woman in Montgomery County. And maybe that's why he's so bold about it, walking in the streets of Georgetown, which is the town right next to Potomac with her because he actually doesn't care. Anyway, so um, Robin tells us that uh, Karen should have never opened that can of worm. She evils laugh, and then she says that she got name. So then they arrive at lunch, and um, they go pee and whatever, and then Robin tells Karen that she thinks that she is a mean girl and that she is fake. Karen says that Robin attacked her integrity, and that's what she's not going to do. That's what she's not going to do. Attack me, attack my integrity, and tell my friends, la da la da la da la da and uh, that uh, Karen tells Robin that she takes a dig at her every time she can and that she better not call her fake because what is really fake is her wedding. And then she tells her about the woman, the rumor about the woman in Georgetown. Robin said that she hasn't heard those rumors, but when Yin Candice tells us that they heard the rumors, they didn't even tell her, they tell Robin. And like I said, we all heard the rumor. We all read the same blogs but yeah karen tells her that she thinks the wedding is fake and that she'll only believe that they're really getting married when she'll register for it and then she'll eat a word and even say thank you at the same time the green eye bandit yell that she doesn't have to do that for her she doesn't have to talk to her about it and then karen tell karen tell her well then stop talking to me about this but the producers were not gonna let karen get away with it 
because um, they get they give, they give us a flashback of Karen repeatedly asking Robin about the wedding this season, and uh, then Karen is like, "I'm just sharing my suspicion with you." That's all. So Robin tells her that she doesn't care what she thinks, but that she should really care about all the people sending him actual pictures of her with a blue-eyed man in Redskins gear in Vegas at a bar. And I don't know why in the middle of that actually makes the girls cheer. This was hilarious. And uh, Karen replies that she was in a bar with several people wearing Redskins gears. And uh, Karen denies she acts clueless. And uh, Robin decides to show everyone a picture of Karen and that man. And while they pass the phone to everyone but Karen, they play that because uh, even the producers knows know like how dumb the storyline is, and everyone tells Karen is that the driver is that the driver because we all know the driver with blue eyes because Sherry's like five years ago mentioned that man, and uh, yeah we just didn't care then and we don't care now but I think it's very funny that Robin has pictures. So they prevent Karen from seeing the picture and just Karen just doesn't care. She doubles down and she says that what is real is one woman and Robin is 100% aware of it. So then Robin tells Karen that Juan is ready to curse her ass out and Karen replies that he's ready to curse her ass out because she's been protecting him. She says that at a reunion when Andy Cohen asked if Robin and Juan were open to a threesome, Robin said yes. Well, we get a flashback. Robin didn't say yes. She instantly said, hell no. But Juan said jokingly, I mean, you got to keep it spicy, right? And here and then, Karen drops the bomb that she's been alluding to. She had alluded to like this several weeks ago. Karen says that after the reunion, they all went to dinner and Juan took her in his arm and squeezed her so tight, her breast went back to her vertebrae. Wendy's laughing. Robin says annoyingly, why is that funny? Well, obviously, Wendy is laughing because she doesn't like Robin. And Robin was real quick to defend Mia after their altercation. That's why she's laughing. Karen continues and said that Juan told her, I want you to be number three in the threesome. And Wendy yells, and let me tell you that I had the same reaction as Wendy. I yelled. I was so shocked because I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But the comment was so out of line. It's so funny. Like, you can do nothing but, like, either gasp or yell. Like, as much as I love Karen, I don't believe at all that Juan said that. Or even that the supposed other woman look like Karen. Like, Robin and Karen look nothing alike. Robin, as much as it pains me to say, is much more beautiful than Karen. Because Karen is a beautiful woman when she's put together. But Robin is beautiful, yes, when she's put together and when she is not put together. So I'm not saying it's impossible that... The woman looks like Karen, but I think it's very, very highly unlikely. Robin says she doesn't care. And Karen tells us another very funny thing. She says that Robin doesn't like her, and that's because her man does. 
Everyone laughs, Cherry's yells that it's delusion, the delusion continues. And I agree, Karen is highly delusional. And Jesus says that it's ridiculous. Juan doesn't want to fuck her. But um, Karen says he did touch her and he did make her feel inappropriate. So in her confessional, Jesus tells us that Karen did tell her one of the husband hugged her inappropriately. And it took a very long time for her to get past it. But when she told her that, she thought that Karen was talking about Michael Darby. I think we all thought that Karen was talking about Michael Darby. But then they can't say anything because Karen is using the same tactic as they've used. Giselle did say earlier this season that when Chris pulled her into the trailer, it made her feel extremely uncomfortable and that it was a sneaky link and that he wanted her. So we can't, they can't say to Karen that, no, she's lying and it did not make her feel uncomfortable because maybe it did hug her and maybe it did make her feel comfortable. So now we just, they're just, they can't say anything. The team this season is your husband wants me and you're jealous of me. This is basically the whole team this season. So now they do shots and they cheers about receipts because they have them in a phone. Ha ha ha. And obviously... Giselle brings up Jacqueline and Mia. And I was like, hasn't there been enough drama at that table? And everyone else's face that was filming was thinking the same thing. Why do you want to bring up that tired ass storyline? So Jacqueline shows the conversation real quick. She tells the woman that they're unlearning it on their own. It's none of their fucking business. And she doesn't give a fuck about what they think about. Point blank, period. She couldn't be any more clear. But Mia tells her, then shut the fuck up, then... What the hell? Like, I'm the one saying what the hell. That woman is your longtime friend. Your longtime friend. And you tell her to shut the fuck up when she's trying to kind of still defend you, to not brought up your dirty laundry in public. Okay. And Jacqueline is like, well, that's very telling how friendship doesn't matter to you. She's like, I have always vouched for you about the cancer, no cancer thing. And she told the woman to sit down. And just like a mom to Karen, she's always been there with her. She's always been on Mia's sign for time. And Mia throws a dig at her and says, I was with your mother on Mother's Day. Where were you? Like, okay, we don't care. Jacqueline starts crying. Candice is bored of the fight. So she's like, okay, let them end all their fight together. And, uh, well, Jacqueline just gets up and leaves the tables. Then uh, Mia turns around to Wendy and tells her, I really like you. And uh, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Apparently, she has a soft spot for Wendy. And I'm like, didn't you throw a drink at Wendy and wanted to fight her? And yesterday when Wendy called her a gutter-ass bitch, so you actually like her? Okay. And then Mia starts fake crying, listing everything Wendy has. You have a beautiful, successful career, a husband who loves you, blah, blah, blah. And then the Mia we know comes back and she's like, she tells Wendy she doesn't want to feel like Wendy doesn't like her because of insecurity. What insecurity? Like, stop thinking everyone is jealous of you. You have nothing to be jealous of. But Wendy's like, okay, Mia. She takes her hand and she tells her she's hoping to have a conversation later with her. And then that's the end of the, the meal. They leave the table. Charis, Wendy, and Candice go see Jacqueline, and Jacqueline is crying profusely, and she tells them that she doesn't recognize Mia, and that Mia's ego is out the roof. And in the meantime, in the bus, 
uh, Mia is saying that she's happy that other people are giving the attention that uh, Jacqueline the attention that she's screaming for. And I'll just make one comment about it. Mia makes me sick. Jacqueline seems really hurt. Unless she's a very good actress, she seems very hurt. And I don't think that Mia didn't. I don't think that Mia really did care about her. She only kept her around because she was like a yes woman for her. And I don't know. She just felt kind of forced to be friends with Mia because you no, know, with Jacqueline, I mean, Mia felt forced to be friends with Jacqueline because her mom took her in when she was homeless basically so they're more like sisters they're not really friends they're just sisters and you don't always like your sister you don't always get along with her the fact that she's pretend that she's her best friend and all that i don't think that's the truth so then later that night someone knocks on mia's door and it's wendy and they sit on mia's bed and mia says to wendy that she likes her and she doesn't understand where they went wrong and wendy's like well let me remind you that you threw a drink on me and for me this is like the ultimate disrespect this is like someone's pat on me so mia apologizes and she says oh my god i did not sleep that night i'll call bullshit on that and then um, wendy goes on and says you got a fake booty i got a fake booty you're beautiful i'm gorgeous and i was like yes wendy clap 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 let her know you are a gorgeous black woman and that light-skinned girl really thinks she's all that when she's not and then they do the fake hug, they hug it out, and they have this high-pitched voice when, you know, this show is just bullshit. Then it's the final night in Mexico, and Ashley tells us that they had a great time, having fun, letting loose. We see them making animal sounds, laughing <laughs> animal sounds. Oh my god, because Mia is famous for imitation of the chimpanzee, I think. So they laugh. And then they leave the dinner table seemingly in good humor. But they are playing like a very eerie, very scary, dramatic music. And we know that every time that someone narrates, that means that something went wrong. But nothing went wrong. Nothing went wrong. It's just dumb. So Ashley tells us that they were showing each other their vagina. Look, I'm not wearing a penny. They're up in their skirts. And then... When he tells us that Mia slithered behind her and told her, I want to eat your box. So then that's how the episode finishes. And on next episode, we see that Mia just takes everything out of proportion. Apparently, she's the one who told Wendy that she wanted to eat her box. But Wendy is the one that opened wide, opened her leg for Mia to see her coochie. Anyway, we'll see, we'll see. So that was it for the episode, but I would love to talk about really quickly about the reunions look. So apparently the theme was blue, the team was blue, and like I like to say, or like Ramona would like to say, it was very Ramona blue. <laughs> so we'll start with Chisel Bryant. So I didn't like her look. She's wearing a long sleeve dress that has glove included in the dress. She has a split on her left side. I don't like all the crystals that are on the dress, her boobs. She's wearing big silver crystal necklace and big handcuff as, how do you call that? As bracelet. I don't think it put her at her advantage. It made her look, her, it made her look old. But I did like her hair. 
Ashley Darby. So I wrote awful. I really didn't like it. She's wearing a little mermaid looking dress. It's very, very unclassy because we see a lot of her belly. I would have loved if we saw less belly. And uh, it looks like Diana, the ladies and Ashley are really not going to the same event. But, you know, she has a great body. So if she wants to show it, she can show it. I'm just not a fan of the outfit choice for a reunion look. I like big gowns for reunion looks. That's my favorite. Then she has a red bob. So she's really going for the mermaid look. So I will have to see at the reunion if when she's moving in action, it looks better than when she's just posing for a picture. Let's move on to Candice Dillard Bassett. She looks amazing, amazing. She's wearing a huge gown full of feathers and uh, she looks very dramatic, very princessy. I would have preferred if the corset that goes with the dress was not pink but was nude and if there were more feathers because we can see the, 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 the fabric under the feathers. So I would have loved if there were more feathers, but overall, she looks amazing. Her hair looks amazing. She gives main character energy. And frankly, she's been killing it in the fashion department this season. I don't know if you guys caught the little glimpse of the new, of her new confessional look in all pink. She looks amazing. Then move on to Robin Dixon. I like to look. I saw a lot of people criticizing it on Twitter. I don't see why. Yes, it's basic, but it's also Robin, and Robin is a very basic woman. But the dress does look good, and it puts her at an advantage. And then some people point out that she looks like a younger Karen in the picture. And I just said, I know I said like earlier in the episode, no, Karen and Robin look nothing alike, but in the picture, she did look like Karen. So let's move on to Karen Uger. She's wearing a corset with sparkles and a wraparound satin blue skirt. Well, it's a dress, but I'm just giving you a look. I like it. She looks really good. I like the shoe choice. I like the hearing, the big pendant. Only thing I didn't like is the hair because it's very pulled back and it makes her look severe. You know, like, yeah, it makes her look severe. I prefer when she has her, lid, her hair down, but, you know, she's serving face and she doesn't look 5'9 at all. She looks amazing. Wendy Osefu. I didn't like it because just like Ashley is giving Little Mermaid-like, it's very ice skating competition costume-like. The shoes don't fit with the outfit. I'm very, very disappointed because... I think Wendy is a beautiful woman and she knows how to dress. But I was disappointed with that choice of costume. But I will say she's her face and hair and happy and nest do look good. And then let's move on to Mia, the last one. Because I won't touch on Cherise and Jacqueline because, yeah, no. So Mia's look, the dress looked nice. Her hair looked nice too. I just don't think it's very flattering on her because the lace work on her belly, it makes it look weird and it makes it look like she is fatter than she is. And I'm not saying that being fat is wrong or whatever. I'm just saying in this particular dress, she looks fatter than what she is. 
and her boob looks humongous it's not my preference so yeah i mia's look for me was like maybe a five out of ten it was not bad but it was not good so yeah that's all my thoughts on this season's not this season's this week's episode of the real house of potomac okay so now let's move on to real housewife of miami so this is season five episode 11 and the episodes start back at nicole's engagement party where she has just been attacked by Alexia telling her that she was wrong in the first place for saying that she needed to know Larsa before inviting her to her house. And Nicole is crying at her own engagement party. And I feel like Alexia is consistently in the wrong this season. Like, how can she defend Larsa so much? Like, Larsa is, like, slandering Nicole's name. Nicole that has so much to lose. And uh, then Alexia has the audacity to say, well, everyone can say whatever they want. Well, no baby, they can't. It's called defamation and it's punishable by law. So I'm rereading my notes and we'll see in the rest of the episode. I was wrong. It's not punishable by law. It's just hearsay. But anyway, I wrote, I know that a housewife can't sue an housewife. But still, like, I'm still standing by what I'm saying. It's defamation. Lol. So Nicole gets up and she gets in Alexia's face and she tells her that they should have worked for something for 20 years and a girl that never worked for shit in her life tries to destroy it, she'll understand how she feel. And Nicole tells her that she's heard that her friends don't have her back and brings up the fact that she's a Latina and it's hard to be respected as a professional as a Latina and I totally get that. I'm a black woman and I feel it all the time in professional environment. And uh, I don't know, these women make no sense. They just defend the undefendable. So Lisa finally arrives at the engagement party. She says she's happy to be here, but it's difficult for her to be that happy given her circumstances. She told us that she saw Lenny today and he told his parents that he doesn't want to see them again because they have the audacity to be on Lisa's side and not understand his behavior cuss them out in front of the kids like this man is a monster not only does he treat his wife and kids with no respect but his parents too and she says that she finally received a divorce paper so she feels like it's really really real so then um we just see a bunch of images at, of the engagement party and that party looks amazing nicole looks amazing her dress was like so on point with the great Gatsby's party i was a, when i heard that it was great great gatsby i was a little bit like oh everyone does a great gatsby whatever but nicole's engagement party looked bomb like they spent some real money on that i would have loved to be invited to that party and i don't even like to go to parties like so that tells you how beautiful i thought it was so then Adriana and her alleged married boyfriend propose a toast. So they come to sit with the girls and his boyfriend, her boyfriend proposed a toast to people minding their bloody business. And he pulls out his divorce paper and he asks the woman, can you read? And then he changed it and he says, uh, do you need glasses? I thought that this man, demeanor, and even the way he talked, he spoke, was very aggressive and the way he was sitting like he was having his hand 
on one side of the couch and the other hand arm like behind Adriana. I was sitting like a pasha on the couch like if he owned it. And I did not like that. I understand Alexia's reaction. She says, she reminds him that he's talking to a woman and she just throws the papers and says she doesn't care. She'd rather wipe her ass with it. And Adriana is confused as why she doesn't want to read. Well, maybe, that's my opinion, maybe if he had approached her in a less aggressive manner, she would have been more open to reading the paper. And then Alexia just pulls out her phone and shoves it into his face to show him the screenshot, proving, allegedly, that he's married, married on the Miami Deeds public record website. Adriana says that Alexia is in denial. And before I knew what I knew, I thought that Adriana were the one denial and that her boyfriend was lying to her because he looked so shady and suspicious the way he sat on that couch. But hmm, we'll see that no, Alexia was the wrong in the wrong after all. So then the engagement, the engagement party is over and we move over to Larsa and she's with her friend and she's taking pictures of her leg and feet and feet for only fans and she said that the particular set of picture that she is making right now is going to make her 40 grand that is unbelievable for like feet and legs that she shows for free on her Instagram people are paying 40k to see them on OnlyFans that's unbelievable. I tried to research how much she made in 2022, but I couldn't find anything official. But she did say she makes around 10K a day. If that's the truth, like there's 365 days in a year, that means she makes $3,650,000. Well, I don't know how to say that. My number is too big for me, you see? It's crazy. Especially because she claims she doesn't do nudes. Like, she's only talking and showing pictures of her feet. Like, years ago, like two, three years ago, I wanted to start an OnlyFans account. I guess I should have done that. Like, even though I'm not a Kardashian lookalike and I'm not Larsa Pippen, I was not married to a famous guy, maybe I could have made 10k a month. Like, I missed my opportunity. But hey, <laughs> I just find that crazy. So then we move over to Nicole and she's talking with her friend that is a therapist about the engagement party and she brings up her father coming to the engagement party and she says that it was wasted and kind of made a scene and then we have a flashback of him saying of her father saying to Kiki I love when you call me papa <laughs> I love her dad and he was so instead he tried to warn her that down the line boys will be boys and that Anthony will cheat on her. Like her dad came to an, her engagement party and told her that on the day of her engagement party that the man that she's about to marry down the line will cheat on her. Crazy. And her friend tells her, you have to forgive your dad. No, you don't have to forgive your dad because he hasn't changed. Once he will change, you'll have to forgive him. Anyway, she cries, blah, blah, blah. Therapy session, don't want to talk about it. So now it's time for Alexia's luncheons with the girl and an attorney. So she's having this luncheons, luncheon because this situation has affected her a lot. And she's working, she's worried that it could happen to anyone in the group. And she says that uh, they're all giving advice to Lisa. 
and it could be bad advice. And yeah, we have a flashback of all the bad advice that they gave Lisa, like change the lock, like slap him over the head with whatever. It was hilarious. And then in the middle of the conversation, plot twist. We find that, found out that Adriana's man is actually divorced. They did not go all the way to the bottom of the page. So they've been spreading rumors that this man is married, talking about it, fighting about it all day long. But they just did not scroll down to the page. Like those women are reckless. I love it. And Alexia says it like so nonchalantly. Oh yeah, I forgot to scroll down. He's actually divorced, but he's an asshole. I agree, he's an asshole, but girl, girl, you need to take accountability for what you're doing. So Lars arrive and Nicole and her just ignore each other. So Julia arrive too and uh, I don't know, they go sit at the table. At this point, Adriana also did arrive. So they sit at the table, they have lunch. And uh, Julia is talking about the fact that when she got divorced in France, in Paris, her and Martina had to kiss on the mouth in the middle of Paris because... um. Her kids were being bullied because they had two moms. And then Alexia is like, yeah, by the way, I know that you support women. <laughs> and I'm disappointed in your behavior that Saturday night, when Hadrena's boyfriend disrespected me, you did not defend me. And I'm like, she was talking about like gay rights and gay bashing, and you turn it into tears. Hadrena's boyfriend disrespected me. Alexia just knows how to talk about whatever she wants to talk about. Jula says, I didn't see that. It was very polite. It was not polite at all. Because when I saw him, I was like, mm, you're being too aggressive, my dude. But anyway, and uh, Alexia says, no, it was not. It asked me if I could read. And Adriana says that he just asked that. Because it was dark and that the vision of people over 50 is not the same in the dark. I died it's actually a good comment because you always see old people at restaurants using their flashlight flashlight to read menus but i disagree the tone used was very very aggressive but still alexia does not back down and she says it was not the time and place she's mad that he said that she was spreading a rumor and she doesn't see how she did that well Girl, you were going around telling everyone that wanted to hear that he was married and you just admitted two minutes ago that you misread the decree, like the divorce decree. And she refuses to apologize because, well, I'm not sorry. She's not sorry. I mean, the guy is a doctor. He has a reputation to uphold. You could apologize. But just like with the situation with Nicole and Larsa, Alexia is in the wrong. She has no shame in her game. Everything for drama. But, you know. I love Alexia. I love her. And then Nicole says that she's tired of the fighting and says that what really matters is people's intention. Adriana agrees. She doesn't think that Alexia's intention were bad. But then Nicole turns around to Larsa and says that she believes that this is the real problem between them. She believed that the intent behind Larsa's comment was to humiliate her. And then they start yelling, I can yell too, Larsa sells. And then she starts yelling, I have DMs to prove it. I have DMs to prove it. I have DMs to prove it. But do DMs really prove anything? Maybe, but not really. Plus, 
I can't. Larsa cannot let go of something that happened last season. Like, it's over. She just said she didn't know you. You were not a friend. She doesn't want to invite her to your house. Like, let it go. She invited you in the... And, like, she's mad that she did not invite her to her house. But in the end, she did invite you to her house. So, like, let it go. So they are yelling, yelling and fighting while the lawyers arrive. So, like, this was really, really close. This guy, lawyer, he seems pretty serious. And they're just yelling, I have DMs! I have DMs! I have DMs to rub it. So Julia asked the lawyer a question about how hard is it for gay couple to to adopt in Miami and uh, he says it's not hard at all and then Larsa asks her if she wants to adopt and at the same time Marisol and Alexia look at each other with like very inquisitive smile because they are messy and uh, Julia refuses to tell the girl the truth especially not Larsa she precise because she just doesn't want the bad juju and she's right on that I wouldn't trust any of those girls especially after Marisol's and Alexia's smile so Nicole brings up defamation of character to the lawyer. She asks him the question about defamation of character. And Alexia thinks that she's trying to stir up drama because why ask a family lawyer about defamation of character when she's married to an attorney? Well, I looked it up. Nicole's husband is an insurance lawyer. So he wouldn't know either. So why not ask this guy? Why not? And yes, she is trying to start stir up drama. drama. So Alexia is very mad that Nicole asked that question and she yells at Nicole that she has the wrong attorney. And we see while they are yelling, Nicole and Alexia yelling at each other, Frankie is up the stairs and he's watching the woman fight and he's looking like very confused and he's making talking hand sign. Hi, love Frankie. He's so funny. He's so, so, so cute. Anyway, the attorney looks visibly uncomfortable. I mean, he was invited to this luncheon to give family law advice and he finds himself in the middle of a screaming match on national television. This is not good for him. And frankly, I'm pretty sure he has better things to do with his time. So I was wondering how much Alexia paid him to come. And we have our instant answer right away. She said that he paid him $700 an hour so she doesn't want these questions to be asked because she's wasting her time and she's the one paying so she doesn't want such a question asked so then after alexia says that nicole gets up and puts her credit card on the man's lap and yes i agree with you marisol what in the novella is happening this is such low down behavior i like nicole but this is crazy overreaction and then nicole tells us that she's not sure the women are, are mad that she offered to pay or that she has a black black amex and weird flex but okay and no excuse me but i believe that alexia lives in bal harbor in miami and it's a very, very high-end part of Miami. And I looked up the average prices of a condo in Miami, and that's $1.5 million. And Alexia is not in an average condo in Miami. She is in a 
floor to ceiling window to to how do you call that two floor minimum three bedroom apartment condo with a view on the beach so no she has money she's not mad about your black amex so no like no and also most of the women on this cast except for marisol and adriana of course have money so no no one is mad at your black hammocks baby like i like nicole but this little comment was like i got weirded out by it so the lawyer answers nicole question in the end he says it's not defamation it's slander so nicole can like now shut up and i thought they were gonna move up to the next subject but no marisol stands up and says that she has proof of what larsa is saying i was gagging when she got up and says i have proof i have proof as much as i find marisol annoying she always proves that she has her place place on the couch that is the reunion couch and that she and she earns her place in disgust every time every time um she, marisol says that she has a dm to prove it and nicole says that larsa could have dm'd her that dm and their fake account and larsa brutal is that unlike nicole unlike nicole she has a lot going on oh really taking pictures of you in your bikini taking pictures of you rubbing your feet and spending your time being a socialite and dating michael jordan's son is a lot that's what you have a lot on your plate i would like to remind everyone that um nicole is a surgeon okay so i'm pretty sure that not unlike nicole like larsa has nothing going on so i'm gonna ask miss larsa pippen to take several several seats thank you and adriana and nicole starts laughing right after this comment with good reason and uh, they are all yelling and so the lawyer is asking for a timeout and no one is paying him no attention marisol just continues talking and yelling and they're yelling on the table and all that and i felt bad for the dude like for the dude poor dude like he didn't know what to do he didn't know what to do with himself like yeah so marisol tells us that the dm says that nicole slept with a resident when she was separated with her ex-husband and i would like to say okay and did no one watch Grey's anatomy like we all know what goes down in the hospital like residents sleep together they sleep with interns they sleep with everyone like sleeping with a resident is not the same as sleeping with every single doctor in the hospital and then nicole clarifies that they were both in a real relationship and they were both residents at the time and that she is disgusted that the woman would turn such a like such a innocent relationship in something nefarious and then lisa just had enough and she yells guys this is embarrassing this is embarrassing stop and they tell she tells us that they need to stop hogging the lawyer's time because she needs real advice from from him and i feel her like we they viewed up they viewed off so off topic 
at the luncheon with the lawyer was following Lisa to get real hot advice about what to do with a very, very real and time-sensitive situation. Not to discuss some dumb rumor about if Nicole slept or not with every doctor at the hospital. Like, come on. So they ask question about what if Sally, what if Harry does that? Of course, they're referring to Lisa and Lenny. And it was very funny. The producers blurred Lisa's face while they were asking this question. It was amazing editing. So I'm not going to tell you what the lawyer says. And I'm not going to tell you everything they ask. But I will say go listen to the Bravo Docket podcast. They made an amazing episode about the Ofsteins divorce. Like they get into details, they tell us the prenup. And let me tell you, girl, this is what I'm going to tell you. Lisa signed an awful prenup. You know, like Lenny wants to kick her out of the house. Well, it was written in the prenup that if they get a divorce, she'll back at the house and she signed that. And about the money, she agreed to very, very, very little money. Like, Lisa, I don't know what's going on. Like, she was, and she signed the prenup 10 days before they got married. So she was like, okay, I'm going to marry to the, I'm going to get married to that old man. And I'm pretty sure we'll stay together until he dies. So I don't care what's in the prenup. But no, no, she got bamboozled. But like I said, go listen to the Bravo Look at podcast episode about the Ochsteins divorce. Like, they get into detail, they read and explain the, the motions that they had, like, they are attorneys, like, the two women that do the Bravo Docket podcast, they're attorneys, so they have access to almost everything that's on the docket, and the episode was really, really entertaining and very informational. So if you're noisy, just like me, and I'm pretty sure you're noisy, because you're watching Bravo, well, go listen to that episode. I think I'll, I'll link them, I'll link it below so overall i can say that the lawyers presented the luncheon gave really good advice to lisa about what she has to do and at the end like all the women cried lisa cries cried i was crying like well it was hard to watch but the luncheon is over and now we're at lisa's house and she's with the kids and lenny arrives he ignores her and walk and walks right past her. And she tells us that he doesn't sleep at the house. He comes home to work out, kisses the kids on the head, and just leave. Um what do I say? I just already said this man is terrible. He gives zero fucks about his children. And I'm wondering why not try to be amicable? Like why be so disrespectful and divorce your wife, like the mother of your child of your children not your child <laughs> the mother of your children that way like why cheat like you don't love her anymore okay but you don't have to to like cheat on her divorce her first and then go on and continue with your life and i do understand that lisa signed the prenup but like come on lenny she was 27 when she signed the prenup she didn't know anything you guys did not have kids you have to think about your kids before doing that so then lisa is on the phone with uh, lenny's mom and she hears the kids fighting in the other room so she goes and she tells them to stop fighting and the little girl else slaps lisa with a crayon like and like that's what i'm saying like you don't need to divorce wife that way that your wife that way like the kids are so affected by the situation that they start to act 
out. Like they see their parents fight every day and hail Caesar dad being aggressive towards her mom and grandparents and think that it's acceptable behavior. And this is why I think Luni is a disgusting human being. Uh, Lisa tells us that her son is aware of the situation. He asks if they could get back together. And he even asks if he had to leave his house. Like, this is, this is heart-wrenching. And um, Lisa tells us that Hale picks up on energy and she has been acting out. I really feel bad for Lisa in this situation. Like, she's dealing with a lot and it's not even like she can cry behind closed door. Like, she has to do it on a national platform. It must be so, so hard. But then Lisa goes up to ask Lenny if he brought the check for the nanny and he says no, but I have cash, so just let me know how much and I'll give you the cash. And she just let him know that she's Mike and she's filming today. And uh, when the camera entered the room, he stops talking and he says, I don't want to be filmed. So the camera backs down, but we still hear what's on the mask, the mic. She asks him why he didn't say hello to her, why he's so cold toward her. And he just replies that he has nothing to say to her. He's just like, I have nothing to say to you. I have nothing to say to you. I have nothing to say to you. And I was like, really? Other than discussing the 90s payments, you can't have another, a normal conversation with the mother of your kid that has nothing, that has done nothing to you? You're the one humiliating her publicly. You're the one that told her to leave your house, but you are mad at her? Oh, that is crazy. And he tries to make himself look like a good person. And he tells her that she's being difficult because he's trying to find her a house, but she doesn't want to leave the house. And he knows that she will never leave the house until she's being told to leave the house. But I'm sorry, even though she signed up prenup, I keep saying that, but uh, I don't see it like that at all. And he's very threatening in his tone and aggressive, even though he's seemingly, he's seemingly calm. He's very, very threatening in his tone. Because he's like, yeah, you won't leave the house until someone told, tells you you have to leave the house. Well, that was it for this episode. And uh, yeah, Lenny is a piece of trash. And to see how big of a piece of trash he is, go listen to the Bravo Docket podcast. Okay, and now let's move on to... The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Reunion, Season 3 Reunion, Part 1. So, as we all know, Jen was not invited to the reunion. But it seems like she's going to be a big topic of discussion in it. Because, well, she was a big topic of discussion during this season. And the last episode, there was like a 20-minute part about her going to New York for her trial. So I do wish that they would have let her come so that she could uh, sink even lower in public opinion. <laughs> but yeah. And I think it's really sad because they won't be the one-on-one -on -one interview with Andy because Jen's lawyer and Bravo's lawyer would not agree not to this things related to her legal case so yeah i'm gonna read you a statement that jen sharp posted a couple of days ago or weeks ago i don't know so she posted it on january 19 and she said on january 6 i stood before judge Tynd 
and ask him to see me not as a fictional character but as the real Jen Sha. I am now at a point legally, emotionally, and mentally where I can answer some questions and provide a few unknown details about my case. I want and need to share these critical facts. I owe it to those that love and support me to hear the truth. I will not be doing the one-on-one with Andy Cohen and Bravo because of their unwillingness to remove contractual provisions that will allow the network to legally make misrepresentation of me and my story relating to any and all topics prior to and during the course of my participation. So I'm pretty sure that the misrepresentation is her yelling, I am innocent, and then going to trial and letting people know that she is not innocent at all. And then the statements continue and she says, this specific one-on-one interview was not part of my Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reality TV contract. I promised myself and my loving family that I would not allow this portion of my life to be sensationalized or inaccurately conveyed. Too many people have been hurt by my action and my inability to control my own narrative. I would rather remain silent and wait until I am able to accurately share my story than continue having complete lies and and misrepresentation about me smeared across the headlines. I intend to speak and you will hear from me. I will share my story and this painful part of my life very soon. Jen Cha. Is it very painful part of your life? Really? Misrepresentation and lies about her and her story? Girl, come on, come on, come on. And then three days ago, she posted an Instagram post and it was just something saying the real story of Jen Cha now live and it's live on a website called dearjensha.com and the caption says thank you to my loyal fans who have remained supportive through this tough yet very enlightening time in my life with the strength of my husband children close family and friends i am ready to tell my true story without any misrepresentation or editing present Please visit DearJenSha.com and subscribe as I tell my truth and give you an inside look into the real Jen Sha. More details to come. So I am appalled. Like, she's going to make money off that. I will probably pay (laughs) to uh, know what she has to say. And I'll come back here to tell you guys what we learned about the real Jen Sha, the real story of Jen Sha. So I'll make a podcast episode about that, but Jensha is really ridiculous. So yeah, she's not at the reunion and there's no one-on-one interview. So that's the last of Jensha after those three-part reunion that we're going to see on Bravo. And then, yeah, she's going to go off to jail. So that's on that. So now let's get into the reunion. So like always we see the woman getting ready in their trailer nothing really important happens and then the woman arrive on scene in a trailer van their signature move because yeah all the drama on this show happens in a van and we all obviously remember and they won't let us forget because we have the flashback of the iconic moment where the feds arrived in the parking lot of the lab and laser while the women are in the van to arrest Jensa. So I thought it was clever for the woman to arrive on the scene of the reunion in a trailer van. So let's talk sitting arrangement. So it's only four women, so it's a very easy seating arrangement. 
on one couch, couch we have Ever sitting next to Andy and then Meredith sitting next to her. And on the other couch we have Whitney sitting next to Andy and Lisa sitting next to her. So I kind of like this sitting arrangement. So we have Whitney against Ever and Meredith against Lisa. Although during this first part of the reunion, Lisa was more entertaining than Whitney. And I believe that during the whole season, Lisa was more into the drama and she was more centered of the storyline than Whitney. So maybe we should have made Lisa sit next to Andy, but I believe that they did exactly that. Whitney against Heather and Meredith against Lisa. And they could not sit Meredith next to Andy, obviously. So that's how they chose to got it. So Andy clarifies that they invited Jen Shah to the reunion, but that her legal team advised her against it because at the time of filming, her sentencing had not occurred yet. So he asked the women what they feel about how do they feel about the fact that Jen Shah is not going to be present at the reunion and they say that they have mixed emotion about that and they have mixed emotion about the fact that Jen Shah is not here to defend herself and also because Jen Shah was a big part of the season it's going to be a big void felt tonight because she's not there and but that last part that last part we can we can guess who said that even if we haven't seen the episode it was obviously Heather her lap dog so they also discuss the fact that Jen Shah changed her plea from guilty to not guilty and Andy asked Whitney her opinion on about that Whitney was surprised because Jen hasn't stopped screaming I am innocent all season so yes we were all shocked that she changed her plea uh, Meredith was shocked and Heather the writer died says that Jen called the right before changing her plea and that they cried on the phone and Heather felt grief over it. Frankly, I understand Heather. Like, if she really considered Jen her friend, she would be saddened to know that her friend is going to spend many years in jail. But, but, what I do not understand is that she stand by her on national television. If you were me, I would never. I would stand by you, but I would just say no comment. I would not say I cried and I felt grief. So this makes me side eye Heather a lot. And to be honest, all of her action this season made me not like her anymore anyway. Like she went from favorite to most hated real quick in my book and in a lot of people's book. Yeah. So we move on to Meredith and Lisa's relationship and the fact that their relationship never recovered from the hot mic moment. Meredith says that her issue with Lisa today has nothing to do with what she calls a childish tantrum. And I'm asking myself, so what is it about then? Because she's been spreading rumors about Lisa all season and Lisa has done nothing wrong other than what she did last season. So which is it? Meredith tells us that she's mad that Lisa unfollowed her on Instagram and hid her Insta stories from her. Really? How old are those women? Is that really a reason to be mad at her friends of 20 plus year? Like, if the hot mic is not a problem, and she says it's the unfollowing on Instagram is that is the problem, is it really a reason to be mad at your friend? No. And that what sent her truly over the hedge 
is that Lisa posted messages proving that she had actually reached out to Meredith when her father passed away. And what I have to say to that is, well, you accused her on national television of not doing it, of not reaching out to her. You lied on her. So she had to defend herself. Hadn't you lied on her, none of that would have happened. Like, come on, Meredith, make it make sense. So Andy reads a tweet sent by a viewer saying that Meredith started spreading rumor on Lisa from the very beginning of the season. And he asked, did she do that because she wanted to get back at Lisa for the hot mic moment? And Meredith says no. She says that she did not start spreading rumor. She was just concerned about Lisa's mental state. But then Andy is like, well, did you ask? Did you ask Lisa directly about her mental state? And no, she did not reach out to ask if she was okay. And obviously, she did not ask because she's lying. She didn't give two fucks about Lisa's mental state. She was just mad and wanted to get back at her. She just wanted to get back at her for the hot mic moment. And yeah, I feel like Meredith is doing all the lying, all the deflecting, and all the projecting. But, 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 she does apologize for spreading rumors and she says that she does not believe them. So then Whitney explains to us that Meredith brought up the rumors in the first place about Lisa doing favors for Vida Tequila and Meredith asked her if she thought it was absurd and Whitney did not think he was absurd because Angie had told her the rumors about that. But then it got twisted because Heather is the one that turned the Vida Tequila rumor into rumors about Bluey for just tickets. I don't know, like, it's so hard to read my note about that because it's ridiculous. I couldn't pay attention and I can't believe that this is a storyline on the show. Lisa says that she's happy that Whitney stopped the rumors. Heather says, well, she stopped the rumors that she started. Whitney's like, no, Meredith started the rumor dumb my opinion is if we really want to point fingers at someone we should point fingers at everyone and we should also look more closely at Angie Harrington because I believe and we learn in the end that she's the one who started the rumor just like Whitney said and just Whitney did what she always does is that she repeated the rumors on the show so yes Whitney is is in the wrong Meredith is in the wrong Heather is in the wrong. Angie is in the wrong. Who cares who started the rumor? All of those women repeated those rumors on national television. Then we table the subject and Andy reminds Lisa that she insinuated that Meredith was popping pills in one episode. And Lisa says that no, Jen told her that they were actually popping pingles in Zion, she says that Jen told her that Meredith was on something and that is what she was referencing. Obviously, Meredith doesn't believe that Jen told her that. And um, Meredith is like, I'll ask Jen then. They call Jen, Jen denies it, but like, (sighs) I don't even know why we're calling Jen. Like, can we even believe in anything she's saying? She is a fraud. She is a scammer. She's going to jail for six and a half years for lying and defrauding the 
elderly. Like, I don't see the point of asking Jen to own up to anything. Like, she never does until she's backed up into a wall or face to go to prison. She never tells the truth. So, anyway. Lisa tells Merit exactly that. She's like, you believe this over me? I am not going to jail. And I love that she used, you believe this over me? Over me. She called Jen this. Yeah, because that's what she deserves. She is a this. And like, no one has anything to answer to that. And Andy looks visibly, visibly uncomfortable with that comment. But it's the truth. It's the truth. And Lisa continues and say, it's funny you believe someone going to prison for lying over me. And Meredith, I agree. It's funny you believe someone that is going to jail over your friend of 20 years. And also, let's remember that last season, Meredith was in her bath reading the news about Jen being arrested by the Fed and she was happy. And Jen has called her son a sissy bitch and she made fake accounts to harass her son on the internet. She sends fake text messages and all of a sudden she's a, she's a Jen apologizer. I'm sorry, Meredith, like, fuck off. Fuck off. So then they bring up the SEC filing that Meredith dug up because she did dig it up because she says that she didn't dig up because it's public record. But even if it's public record, you have to search for it in order to find it. So semantics. And I would like to say too, I will again refer to the Bravo Docket podcast because they are attorneys and they explain it very well. There's nothing wrong with a SEC filing if you listen to their episode called BravoCon Convicts and Conversation, they explain what it is, how common it is for companies to fill one. And it was not even for Vida Tequila anyway, because Meredith said that the SEC filing was for Vida, but it was for one of their other company. So yeah, that storyline, that storyline is tired. Meredith is doing, like I said, the projecting, the lying, and the deflecting on everything this season. She can't admit that she was mad at Lisa for the hot mic moment and that she just tried to make her look bad. She was mad that Lisa came for such job and says that they can't keep a job and that they don't own their house. So she tried to make it look like Lisa and John were struggling financially. And then Mary goes on to say she wants for it to be respect between the two of them, out of respect for their friendship. She wants to be cordial. And I call bullshit on that. Like all season, she's the one that has been disrespectful towards Lisa. And now that she's caught, she's trying to walk back. Like, Meh. then Lisa cries. And anyway, she does not forgive Meredith. So then they are joined by the friends of NGH, NGK, and Dana. So we see a recap of whatever happened. And they show us the never before scene where Dana told Jen that she should play nice, especially if she wants some money in her motherfucking book. Frankly, iconic scene. I'm glad we got to see it other than in the trailer because it was cut from the final episode and it was amazing. An amazing scene, Dana, iconic. So Dana says that the reason that she blew up is because Jen made fun of where she lives, but Dana owns her house. In fact, she owns multiple properties while Jens rents her house with some stolen money, might I add. Stolen money. 
And she tells us that if she wanted, she could buy the house that Jenny is renting and evict her. <laughs> this was so rude. I died when she said that. Like, let's bring her back next season and see what she can do. She also said that she was fed up because Jen was racist against her husband. She called him Jorge or Humberto when her husband's name is Ernesto. And I find it funny that Jen did that because she's quick to cry about the racism she faces in Salt Lake City. But the first chance she has, she does it to someone else. Like, it's just to show you how much of a disgusting person Jenny is. Like, really, really. So then... Andy moves on to NGH and he asks her if she had ever heard the rumors about Lisa giving out blowies for jazz tickets. And she says that she never heard those rumors, but that she and Whitney had discussed rumors on the phone because John was behaving weirdly at the jams at the jazz game. Apparently, security came and asked Angie's husband if he wanted John removed. So what I understood from everything that was said is that. John Barlow confronted Elf on the Shelf at a Utah Jazz game about the Twitter account that he made to slander his wife, Lisa. And because Elf on the Shelf didn't like what he was hearing or the fact that he was confronted in public, he called security on him. And then Elf on the Shelf and AGH started a rumor about John's wife. Okay, so uh, I'm not sure I understand, but I think that I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And yeah, ridiculous. So they fight more. I'm not going to talk about it. Like, frankly, this part one of the reunion was pretty, pretty boring. So then NGK is asked why she told Lisa about Meredith, Meredith digging up the SEC filing about her. And NGK says she did it because... Day before, she had received a text from Jen saying that she was going to expose Heather's business. And then we have proof of that. And then, like, that's why I don't understand Heather. Like, I'm so confused by her. That's why I call her the Jen's lapdog because she cries on the phone with Jen because she's going to jail, rightfully so, for defrauding old people. She forgives Jen when Jen calls her Shreks. She forgives Jen when Jen talks shit about her and her business behind her back. She forgives Jen when she digs up stuff about her. She forgives Jen for calling her a lying ass bitch hoe. She says it comes with the territory. But she won't forget Whitney, her cousin, for saying that they're on a friendship break. Like, really, Heather? Like, what the hell is going on? Like, I don't know. Anyway. NGK told Lisa about Meredith digging up the SEC filing because she was triggered when Jen, Heather, and Meredith were doing the exact same thing to Lisa that Jen had planned to do to Heather. Period. And I understand. Okay, so now there's 13, min 13 minutes left and we move on to the black eye. So Heather insinuated a lot that Jen gave her a black eye, but when asked directly, she said that she didn't know, but everyone knew. But she didn't know and she couldn't remember. So she played with it and it got extremely annoying and very, very confusing. 
So two weeks ago, I brought up the rumors about producers telling Heather that someone on the cast had given her a black eye and that they had footed her of it, but there was an internal investigation, so she couldn't really talk about it. And that is why we were confused as viewers. And here we learned that the investigation really did happen and nothing came out of it. But the producers did not tell Heather that they had footage of it. Heather says that she wanted that investigation to happen because she was afraid and confused of how she had gotten it. But then I'm like, why did you keep saying you knew what had happened? And she's like, because she was afraid that they, quote unquote, would rewrite the narrative. And Andy asked her, who is they? And she says that they is her castmate. And Lisa gets mad and she says that Heather made it look like production did it to her and that she was careless about it and it could have impacted their livelihood. Lisa is very, very mad because like us, she heard the, roommate, the rumors about the production and all of that. But the answer to the black eye is that according to Heather, she blacked out and she can't remember. So there actually is no answers. So right after Lisa tells us that she was careless and could have like put producers at risk she starts fake crying because you know she's backed up against the wall so she needs to fake cry and she tell the cast that she was humiliated and that she had blacked out and she couldn't remember and that's why she acted the way she did and he tells her that she tells her that she's not the first housewife to black out and she says yes but she has a moment shame Ugh. i rolled my eyes so far back in my head i could see my fucking brain like ever is so full of shit what moment shame ever you're printing you're releasing a book called bad mormon where you're holding the book of mormons but you were ashamed you had moment shame because you were blacked out you've been drinking on this show you've been drunk on this show for three seasons but all of a sudden Moment shame, moment, moment shames come in. Come on, Heather is full of shit. She said that, and then she says, "I didn't want an investigation because she was embarrassed." But which is it? Two seconds ago, you said you wanted one because you were terrified. Right. So which is it, Heather? Make up your mind. Like you did not rehearse that life very well, did you? Did you? So then, Handy asked Heather why was Jenna first called in the morning. And Heather says, because she trusts Jen the most. And I'm like, bullshit, you don't trust Jen? What the hell? Like, come on. And then they ask her if she asked Jen, if she did that to her. And Heather says that they did joke about it and laughed about it. And then she says something very weird. She says that she would have preferred for it to be Jen rather than a stranger. Like, what in the weird answer is that? Like, what? And then he asked her again, do you believe that Jen punched you in the eye? And the only answer she can come up with is, I don't know. Like, Ella, come on, you have to give us more than that. Like, really? Like, I'm pretty sure that she's insinuating that, yes, Jen did hit her. But, like, tell us. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she doesn't tell us anything because she doesn't want to look like a bad friend towards Jen, but she does look like a bad friend towards Jen because if you really consider Jen a friend and you're right or die, 
should have a better answer than that. You should come in and say, Jen would never. Jen would never. So Andy asked the woman what they believe, and all the women believe that Jen is the one that gave her the black eye. And also we learn something like that when the producer asked Heather, how did you get the black eye? Jen looked at her and asked her, what are you going to say now? So yeah, so we all know that Jen gave her a black eye and Heather is trying to protect Jen or maybe she's throwing her under the bus because it looks like she's throwing her under the bus because every time people ask her, she would look at Jen like thinking that Jen would say something. Anyway, like I said, the first part of the reunion, very boring. We spent a lot of time on Meredith and Lisa and that tired ass storyline and then Heather was like, we learned nothing about the black eye and Heather talking about her mom and shame. Come on, come on. But yeah, that was it for this episode this week of my Bravo recap or my Real Housewife recap of the week. I had so much fun recording that episode, like my first podcast episode. And I hope that you had as much fun listening to me as I did talking to you. And uh, if you liked it, please give me a five-star review and go on my Instagram, which will be linked down below. And give me your comments. Let me know what you think about any of the shows that we talked about. And you can give me feedback on my Instagram also about the episode that we just heard. And um, yeah, I'll see you definitely next week to recap Potomac, to recap uh, Salt Lake City and Miami. And I also think that I will add an episode about Southern Hospitality because it's a really, really great show that I really enjoy watching. And it's a good recap. Like, it's a very good recap. And it's the finale episode. Oh, no, the finale was this week. So I'll recap the reunion for sure next week. So, yeah. Thank you guys very much for being with me for an hour and 20 minutes. I love you and I'll see you next week.